Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. You have found the Shanty Pants Show. People ask all the questions the box you win. To classify your life with the stroke of a pen. Take those old rules, crumple them, and throw them out. We're burning that box right now. Although I am most often recognized for my ridiculous comedic fashion and makeup tutorials on my social medias, I also have a deeper side. I have been learning, growing, and recovering so much in the last couple of years, and I'm thrilled to bring you along on my journey as I continue to break the mold that I've been living in for far too long. I'm so fortunate to have the privilege of interviewing some movers and shakers who are encouraging my healing process through sharing their own stories. I speak with many who have suffered through challenges I myself have been through, such as living in a cult, infertility, foster care, adoption, and mental health illness. I have experienced firsthand how the stories of others have impacted impacted me in my journey of healing. I'm honored to bring these stories to you all in hopes that you too can learn, grow, and heal. And also to remind us all that we are not alone. Welcome to the Shanty Pants Show. Welcome to the Shanty Pants Show. Today, I am visiting with Mallory Hope, who's an American country music singer-songwriter. We chat about everything from kids to how she got going in the music industry. Please enjoy our conversation. Okay, so I grew up in Georgia. It's a long way from California. <laughs> um, that's where I grew up, back in the, the holler. No, I'm kidding. It wasn't the holler. Um, but it was definitely the boondocks and, uh, it's a town called Cahutta and oh, it's been wow. so funny. Like when people introduce me on stage, I've kind of had to change it to the bigger city, which is Dalton because no one can pronounce Cahutta. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, just say I'm from Dalton. But, yeah. um, if you're from the South and you ever go to Florida or you go to Atlanta, then you, t- you know, you usually go through Dalton. It's the carpet capital of the world. 
And so that's what they're known for. But yeah, I grew up in Georgia. I'm one of five. So I have four siblings, second to youngest. Basically, my parents said I came out of the womb singing. I was singing before I could talk. And I never really understood what that meant until I became a mom of toddlers. And while they can't necessarily speak in sentences, they can sing all of Baby Shark. So mm. it's like, I understand now <laughs> what that so means. True. <laughs> because they sing every single song that's popular. But, um, but that's just how I was. I was the one out of five that was like, hey, look at me at the, at the grocery store. Let me get a a group of people entertained and literally like at five years old. So it was just born into me. And um, I just always felt connected to music and I grew up. Um, well, let me give this kind of backstory first, because it's kind of a big um, moment in our family's life. So my mom and dad, my mom was married before she married my dad and had three kids and she got divorced from her husband and then met my dad at a carpet mill in Dalton oh, and um, <laughs> carpet brought my family together. And um, so they met working and my dad grew up without a dad. So his mm. father left him when he was two, went and had another family and just abandoned my grandmother and my father and mm. was just really hard on my dad. And he um, ended up passing away when my dad was around nine or 10. So mm. my dad grew up with a lot of anger and felt misplaced in the world. And just the reason I'm giving you all, it'll make sense while I'm giving you all this story, but he just was an angry person, um, basically alcoholic, probably into drugs, maybe, sorry, dad, (laughs) maybe take the drugs part out. Alcoholic. Um, but always just was, he felt unwanted, unloved. Mm. And you know, if you've dealt with that, you tend to lash out. So as he began to grow up, he was about 22. He met my mom at work. And because she had three kids, that was attractive to my dad because he all he ever wanted was that relationship of father and son. And so he saw that as something beautiful. And so he fell in love with my mom and married her and started helping raise my siblings. And then they got pregnant with me. And then about three years later, got pregnant with my younger brother and neither one of my parents at that time were believers. They were, um, they just weren't, they grew up in church. They, I think they called themselves, um, Easter and Christmas. It was called CNE Christians or something, Christmas and Easter. <laughs> so when they went, yes. but they didn't have the relationship with the Lord. Mm. And, um, when they got pregnant with my younger brother, um, so this was my mom's fifth child. She was told by her doctor that he was going to, my brother would have all these problems and had all these different diseases and that she should um, get rid of the child. And my mom Mm. was like, I'm just not going to do that. I've had a couple of miscarriages and we'll just, we're going to love this baby no matter what. Mm. And so she went forward with the pregnancy and my dad got invited to go to a church in our little town. And he was like, you know what the heck, I'm going to go. And so he goes by himself and he, when he tells his story, he said that, um, he felt like the church was going to fall in on him because he just felt like he didn't deserve to even walk in. He was so Mm. dirty and he walks in, he hears the gospel and he just said that he just prayed in the back row. And he said, Lord, if you can heal my son, his one, you know, his only son, um, then 
I'll devote my life to you. And every appointment, the doctor kept saying the same thing. He's got, the, he's never going to walk. He's never going to talk, all the, all the things. So they go through um, with delivery. My brother, JJ, was born completely normal. Like wow. no problem, wow. nothing. So my dad was like, okay, that's it. I'm giving everything up that all this stuff that's happened to me in my life, this anger, and I'm going to try Jesus. Wow. And he said the first thing he did was he went to the graveside of his dad mm. and he forgave his father and he wept. And he was just like, you know, you didn't know any better and I've got to just let it go. And I've mm. got to be a better version of a father than he was for, for my dad. And so that was kind of his first step toward letting that go. And the reason that I share that um, is because it was the turning port point in our family. My mm. parents would not have stayed together had that miracle not happened. My parents were fighting. My dad was drinking. He slept on the couch a lot, you know, mm, things yeah. that I don't remember because I was a baby, but just stories of the change that happened. And because there was a change in my dad, my mom wanted to get to know who this was too, that mm. was changing him. So wow. just went along to church and that, that was what really saved our family. Well, it is what saved our family. So that was the turning point for us. So we started getting raised into church, my brothers and sisters and I, and um, my dad was called to preach at some point along that, which was very, again, it, it was kind of, I always tell this story when I'm on stage about like, he was kind of like jo Jonah. He was like, no, don't call me to preach, Lord. I don't want to go to Nineveh. No. And he was, he was just an angry person and he never would have ever stood up in front of people to have a conversation. And, but God called him to do it. So he started doing that and then he got ordained and then he ends up pastoring the church that we grew up in, like wow. just totally changed. <laughs> wow. So I grew up singing in that church, um, special church to me. And, um, that's kind of where I, I got my footing okay. singing in church. And, um, and then when I was nine years old, came to Nashville, staying at this place called the Nashville palace, which is, um, where Randy Travis He's country singer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're from California. I don't know if you even know country music. <laughs> I do. I, do. I actually do. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm just joking. I love when I play in California, it's like the coolest. I feel like those people love country music. And oh, everybody yeah. always says like, California, don't, they don't. But I always play in San Jose a lot. I don't know if you're close to there. Uh-huh. Not too far. Um, and it's like, I feel like they're family. So I'm, oh. just, I'm just joking. Like, don't yeah. hang on me. Um, <laughs> not at all. Well, and to be fair, to be honest with you too, country music is not my favorite, but it's yeah. my husband's favorite. And I think the reason I have more of an aversion to it is because growing up, we weren't allowed to listen to any music, mm -hmm. but we would like sneak country music and it was like, we could just get away with it. Yes. And it wasn't as bad as the rest, I think. And so, so I listened to it. So I, you eighties, nineties, country i know them all and all of them i know the newer the stuff best. i but yeah i love i love some good 90s country 90s for sure is the best like nothing it really was that. it really i mean the women were dominating every song was great it was so yes. amazing that's that's how i fell in love with country music uh, okay yeah was i'm with 90s. you there yeah and that's <laughs> because here's the thing as a daughter of a pastor who just went through a complete conversion and burned all of his music that he, I mean, he had a burning party. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Anything he ever listened to. Cause he was a big hard rock. I mean, he, he followed Southern rock and all these, you know, I think he tells stories that he got to see Janis Joplin play and 
like hung out with her once. So like he is a music lover, but he to get to where he needed to be with his walk with the Lord, he had to let go of some stuff. And I remember like having the Shania Twain, Shania Twain. Yes. I I said that right. Okay. It sounds like I didn't say Shania Twain tape. (laughs) I didn't say Shania Twain tape. Um, so you, you guys, tapes were these things that you could put <laughs> like crazy, right? I remember when I used tape, <laughs> but I, I got the woman in me and mm. you know, that song, the woman in me mm. needs you to be. And I was obsessed with it. And mm. so on the cover is she's like out in the, the ocean, but she's, you can't see it. She's probably naked, but you can't see anything. And my dad literally takes a hammer to it. He's like, you're not listening to this. Like, this is of the devil. I was like, oh, like, what's wrong with you? And so I have these memories of just like knowing, okay, well, I just, I'm just going to have to sit and wait for my dad to um, come into the middle of a little bit. So yes. thank, thank God he did. Um, there was just things that he needed to rid, you know, and I understand yes. it now that I'm an adult and a believer too, but um, those are just funny stories. But Oh, that's great. That is what kind of helped me fall in love with country music. And I came mm. to Nashville when I was nine and I played with a band for the first time and I played these country songs. One of them was called um, Daddy's Hands, Old Country mm. And then um, Unchained Melody. Mm. And I was hooked. And I just said, I've got to do music. This is all I want to do. I want to be the Dolly Parton of my generation. This is what I want to do. And um, I remember there was a girl there at the same night. And she she sang. And she did this thing called yodeling. And again, mm. you're not going to know what that is. Because that is from... The- I do. I know <laughs> what yodeling is. Okay. It's country <laughs> and western, you know. Um, but so she did this thing with her voice and I was nine years old and I just watched her and I was like, mom, what is that? My mom's telling me what it is. And, um, the whole two hour drive back home to Georgia, I taught myself how to do that. (laughs) Now think of the grace my parents had for me while I'm in the back seat and I'm like, you know, for two hours and they, not one time did they say, okay, mom. Like that's enough. It was so, they were always so encouraging. Wow. That is nice. It's amazing. So the, and the reason that I share that story is because I feel like that's the moment I can remember in my life where I started seeing what other people had and thinking that I needed that and try and comparing myself. That's kind of the first memory Mm. that I have of which is a part of my journey and and what I want to talk about too of just encouraging other women but it's so natural for us to do that where we see someone else and what they're doing and we think like I thought oh I need like there's nothing wrong with competition and like healthy competition yes learning from someone else and getting better but Mm -hmm. I can see myself back then going well I need to learn how to do that so that I can be as loved as that person you know, cause look how I reacted to what she was doing. And so it was like for me at that age and not really understanding the gift that I had from God, I was, I was already saying, well, I need that. That's what I need to be better or to be loved more. And so that wow. kind of, I feel like was the first kind of, um, really memory that I had where I started to do that even, and then it became this thing where it was, I didn't even know I was doing it, you know? And so I just, I jumped right into music. I quit sports, all the things that I was doing. And I just 
wanted it. And I grew up two hours from Nashville and my mom started booking shows for me all across the South, like complete, amazing stage mom without the crazy drama, just the love and encouragement. There were a couple times I remember where I wasn't wearing the right outfit and she definitely let me know, but she was just and is my biggest (laughs) champion. So she started booking shows for me while she had a full-time job. And then my dad would drive me on the weekends to perform shows. And I would sing with karaoke tracks and just kind of get the footing of it. And, um, and then when I was about 15, um, no, when I was about 13, my dad bought me a guitar and my mom encouraged me to write songs. And I I was like, Mm. what am I going to write about? I'm 13. Like, what do you write about? You know? And, um, so I pick up my guitar, I start playing it. It sounds horrible. (laughs) And I was like, uh, I can't play this dad. He's like, well, you're going to have to learn it. And when I first started to learn it, I honestly gave up really quickly because if you've ever Mm. tried to play guitar, it's really hard on your fingers. Oh yeah. And and I was just a kid. So I was like, I don't want to do this. It's too hard. And honestly, it sat in my room for about a year. And then I finally got the whatever it was I needed. And I said, okay, I'm going to do this. So I picked it up and and I started kind of teaching myself and then took a couple classical lessons and, and I just fell in love with it. And I, I didn't know what to write about. So honest to God, I locked myself in my bedroom over the weekend when I was probably 14 and watched Lifetime Movie Network for the whole weekend. And the theme was, um, was on abuse. And Mm. so I decided to write what I was seeing. And, Mm. um, and so I wrote this song called she thought about leaving. And it was about this woman who's being abused by her husband. She's telling the story. And then by the end of the song, she's up in heaven with the Lord. Like I'm 13, Mm. you know, how am I writing? So I call my parents in and I'm like, hey, I want to play you this song. It's the first song I've ever written. And the first line is he came home with liquor on his breath. And my <sighs> Southern Baptist pastor father stopped me right there and was like, what you, you can't sing this. And I was like, Dad, just wait. It's going to get to Jesus. Like, I'm going to take you to Jesus. So just hold on. <laughs> And so I did, I sang it for him and they both were like teared up because like, I didn't know it at the time, but they had gone through some of that Mm. in their marriage early on. And, um, and so I I said, I don't know why I wrote this. And my mom said, well, you've got to sing it at your show this weekend. And I said, Mm. okay. So I get up and I sing this song and I get finished and I start walking to the car and I was like, that was, that was fun. Like I got to Mm -hmm. sing something I wrote. I've never done that before. And an older man came up to me, tapped me on the shoulder. My parents were standing there and he's crying. And he said, I just wanted you to know that that song that you wrote about abuse, that song was for me. And I said, I was like, oh, really? And he said, yeah. He said, my wife abused me and I was too embarrassed to ever get help for it. And as Mm. soon as you started singing that song, it just touched me. And he said, I want you to always like make music that touches people. And that was, that was such an important moment in my life as a kid, because when you are, when you're nine and 10 years old and you've already figured it out of what you want to do with your life and you feel like this is what you've been called to do. When you have that validation, you know, at 15, 16 as a kid, it just was to me, it was like, okay, Lord, like this is what I'm supposed to do. 
Wow. I'm supposed to write music or sing music that's encouraging for people. And like, mm. to me, I had no idea that it would touch a, a man because that wasn't how it was inspired. Right. And so it just seemed so much bigger than what I had thought. And so I just really kind of committed and I said, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to write country music and I'm going to sing amazing grace at the end of my country show. And that's what I want to do. <laughs> like I want to do country music. And, um, so that's kind of what I set out to do. And when I was 16 years old, my parents, we all family, my three older siblings were in college, one was in the army or the air force. Sorry, sis, the air force. <laughs> and, um, and then my other sister was married and had a baby. So my parents were like, let's move to Nashville. And so they didn't want me to have to go through that struggle of being up here alone and doing the bar scenes and all of that. So, um, so we moved up and I kind of just started like socializing with people downtown and music row wow. and jumping right in as a 16, 17 year old and started co-writing with other, other writers. And, and that was kind of the start of how I got to Nashville. What a cool story. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh my. And you're still in Nashville. Yeah. I'm still yeah. in Nashville. Yeah. And so when I was, let's see, 16, 17, I begged my mom to let me homeschool my senior year. Cause I didn't want to jump into a school and then everybody leave. And it's so funny, like as a, as a performer, as someone who's creative, and I don't know if you're this way, but when I'm on stage, I've, I've learned this about myself. When I'm like in Mallory Hope mode, like I am the laugh of the party. Like I mm. am, Hey everybody. Hi. Like, let's go hang out. Like I'm talking to everyone. When I'm Scarlett's mom at school, I'm like this. I don't know anyone. I'm so insecure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's like, it's so bizarre. And so when I was a senior, I just said, mom, please don't, I don't want to go to school. I just want to homeschool mm-hmm. and then work on my writing. And thank God she let me do that. But, um, but I just, I started working with people in town and other producers. And um, I had this really amazing person who believed in me. And I went through this, um, process of a try, kind of trying out for a record label. Mm. And um, my mom took me to the audition. I went in and played and then I um, got a call to come and like make a three song like EP kind of thing. And so I did. And I was like so excited because I'm like, I got, I'm going to get a record deal. Like this is so this is my dream come <laughs> true. And they call my mom and they said that they were going to pass. And so my mom picks me up and she she had just gotten the news and she was crying. And I said, what's wrong, mom? And she said, well, um, RCA, they, they passed. And we had spent Mm. six months like going Uh. through this process. And so she was upset about it. And I just looked at her at 17 and I was like, so like, there's a hundred more, like, let's go. You know, I was Uh. like cheering her up and that's kind of always been my mindset of like, Mm. you know, if there's a no, let's just Let's just go around it or let's figure something else out because I can't just quit, you know? And she was heartbroken for me because she's my mom and I Right. Yes, of course. Let's just go. And and I just kept trying. And so I started working with this producer and ended up signing a publishing deal as a songwriter first. And so I started writing Mm, songs and um, just eager to like, if anyone that's watching this is is trying to get into music or wanting to be a songwriter, I was so eager to learn the craft of it that I would, I would book a ride at nine 30 in the morning and I would write till one o'clock and then I would eat lunch for 30 minutes and I would have another write from two to six. And it was like, every day wow, and not getting paid for that, just trying to learn and get better. And I always try to put better people in the room with me so I could learn from mm. them, you know? 
And, um, and so that's what I was doing. And then I got this collection of songs together and recorded them and then went and kind of auditioned for different labels and ended up signing with this label, um, called MCA, which is a part of universal. And, Mm. um, I made a record there. I had a country single out. I was playing the Grand Ole Opry. It was like everything I had ever prayed and asked God for, he had, he was giving it to me. And I was just like, how Mm. is this my life? Like I'm from Kahana. This is crazy, (laughs) you know, and just loving it. And the first year of my record deal, I made a record uh, with an amazing producer and I was on the road. I was touring. I had a single. And then January of that next year, it was like, everything changed. And, Mm. um, our company ended up merging with another company. And so I kind of got pushed down as a new artist. If you don't get that attention right at the start. So it's like the artist witness protection. Yes. That's what they call it. You just, you get all this love and attention for a year and then it doesn't go as easily as they think. Uh, And so then you go into kind of like the witness protection plan. Oh God. And that's what happened. And so I sat there and here's the other thing is my label, um, never put out my album. So I made this full album, the producer of it got paid and here I am, you know, not getting paid and never getting my music out to people, which is all I ever wanted. And, um, so five years later and never putting anything out, we never ended up getting the album put out. Nothing came about from that except a lot of heartbreak for me. And it was five years later and I ended up asking out of my deal. And I remember getting to this place of like, I think I was 25 and I felt like God had given me everything I ever wanted, but I was miserable. Mm. And so I was like, why if I have everything I've prayed for, am I so miserable? Um, and I don't know if you've ever, I, I don't know if, if you've ever felt like you weren't in the right place. Um, but that's kind of how I felt. And it was like that tug of war of just like, I'm unfulfilled. I'm, I feel invisible. Um, I had written this song that I was playing out with Darius Rucker. Who's this amazing, he's from, he's Hootie and the Blowfish. He was, you know, he's a country star now and he was out on the road and invited me to open shows for him. And so I was out touring with him and I had written a song that I really believed in and I had tested out and the audience was going crazy. And I went to my label by myself, no management at the time and just said, Hey, I would bet my career on this song. Like, I know you want something fun for me to put out and this is the song. And it was this moment in my life where I was like, this is my moment. This is my song. Mm. This is really what I believe in. And um, they looked at me and they said, well, we think it's a hit, but we don't think it's the next single. We want you to go write Suds in the Bucket, which is this song that was from this girl, Sarah Evans, who was out. It was came out in the 90s, I think, or maybe 2000s. But it's like, she let the studs in the bucket and the clothes hanging out on the line, you know, like so yes. who I am. I love her so much. Uh, and I've met her and written with her and she's amazing. But I did not want them to see someone else in me. I wanted them to see me. And so it was like, I felt like everything I was bringing them, it wasn't good enough. Mm. And as someone that's creative, if you're just continuing to put stuff out or create music or, or comedy or any of those things, and you can't get them out to people, 
I was just suffocating. I was like, I would rather have not like no deal, nothing and be an independent artist being able to go do what I want and get people to hear the music I'm creating, then sit here and just collect dust on a shelf. And that's, that's mm. where I was. And so I, um, I got a phone call about a month later, no joke. And they said, it was from my label and they said, Hey, um, we would love to use that song for this new artist that we've just signed from a very popular competitive singing show. And, um, we think it would be great for her first single. And I was just stunned. I was like, um, you mean the, the song that I was wanting for my single for me? And they were like, yeah, but you know, she has a million fans already and it's going to be good for you as a songwriter. Like it's going to do a lot for you. It would be beneficial for you to do it. Mm. And so she ends up putting it out. It was her first single and she cuts another one of my songs and puts it on her first record. And I love it. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. And it's no, like, I'm, there's no anger towards her at all. She's great. Mm. But for me as an artist who signed a record right. deal to be a singer, I was crushed because I was like, why can't you see me? Like, why am I not enough? And so I ended up asking to leave and I walked away and, um, and then I just kind of had this kind of coming to Jesus moment where I just said, Lord, what do you want for my life? Because I've mm. spent my whole life thinking I needed to be in this lane and this is where I was going to be used, but I don't, I'm miserable. And, and mm. I kind of always say that I felt like I was living my life for myself and kind of, mm. even though I was, I love the Lord, I kind of put him in the back seat and I was leading my own life and what I wanted to do. And it wasn't until that moment where I stopped and said, okay, like, I'm not going to beat down any doors anymore, but I'm going to walk through the doors that are open that you like where you want to take me, mm. I'll go. And, um, and then I, we got married, my husband and I got married. He's also in the music business, which is always fun. Um, but he, he's <laughs> the brains and, and I'm the creative, he says. So a lot of times, um, perfect. <laughs> yeah, a lot of times he, he did not understand where I was coming from. Um, because you know, he, he's not creative, but, um, but he was, always super supportive and believing in me and was like, you know, whatever it takes, we just got to get your music out. And so we just decided, um, when we got pregnant with Scarlett, our daughter, that, um, I felt like as a mom, like what's the most important thing I can teach my kids? Is it that I can sing about stupid ex-boyfriends that cheated on me? No, probably not. What's the most important thing I can teach them about? And and to me as a believer, it's that relationship with the Lord and and using what He's given you um, for Him and His glory. And so I just went down this path that I never thought I would go down of wanting to sing for the Lord. And and I feel like there's a there's a very thin line between country and Christian music where people that love country mm. music usually tend to love Christian music and vice versa. Mm. And um it's just, it's just a part of who I am. And I, um, I've been doing that now for six and a half years, but I feel more importantly, just this calling to encourage people to like, if Mm. there was ever a person, an artist that should have given up on her career, it would be me because every single time my husband said, he's never seen anything like it. He's been in this business for 20 years and every single hiccup in the road, speed bump, blog in the road, whatever you want to call it, it happened to me and it always has, but I've always just gotten back up and I've been like, okay, let's just figure this out. And like, 
I think the most important thing too, to remind people is like, no matter what it is that you're doing, you can't like, you can't fail unless you quit. So you have to just keep trying. Um, but that's a shrunken down version of my, my journey. No, I love it. Oh, it's just so fascinating. The whole music world is fascinating to me because I just feel like, you know, there's just so much that goes into it and it seems so busy and crazy, but fun. So that's, it's fun to hear. It's fun to hear stories of, of how it goes for different people. And you got, when you went through all this, you got to work with a lot, like you said, Darius and um, Sarah Evans, like you got to work with a lot of people that, you know, are big time or whatever you'd call them. So that's probably fun that you get to look back and kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, have those experiences. Um, Was there anyone else that you connected with during those years that you're, you know, that you got to write with or sing with that was like that stand out for you? Well, you know, what's interesting. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When I was um, going through that, this is going to be so funny, but when I was going through this phase <laughs> before I signed my deal and then right after, I was kind of like the the female de- demo singer in town. So p- other companies would hire me to sing the lead on, you know, other songwriter songs. Then they would pitch it to like Carrie Underwood or um, all the other female singers and the the male, my counterpart, and we would always show up to the studio together was this little guy. I don't know if you ever heard of him called Chris Stapleton. And one of oh us my made gosh. it and one of us did it. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. Oh my God. He and I used to oh. do a lot of demos together and uh, just to sit back oh, and, cool. I know, and to watch him just be as huge as he is, is so cool because I'm like, t- you know, I'll be able to tell my kids like, we used to sing demos together. Yes. Um, but he's he's awesome. His wife is awesome. I've written a lot with her. Um, but I, I mean, Darius was so generous to put me on his tour. And then he also asked mm. me to sing on his record. So there's two songs that are out of his um, out there that I'm singing on. One of them, oh, if you guys cool. want to look it up, is called I Will Love You Still. It's my favorite song that I did with him. And the other one is mm. a fun little song called Baby I'm Right. Um, but that was so fun. And I learned a lot from him because I just went out by myself with a guitar and sang for 45 minutes. And then he came up after me and it was, it was in these little, um, like clubs and then theaters. And so I would just, I would ride the bus with his band. And so I made friends with his whole band and felt like the little sister. And it taught me a lot. Um, I did a lot with him. I did a lot with Clint Black, who I loved from, um, you know, back in the day and just, I mean, there's, Sarah Evans was great. I wrote with her and I, it was the worst writing experience of my life because I was so nervous. 
and I, I, I wanted to be like, can I get another, can I get a redo? Because it was like, <laughs> you, you are one of my like inspirations and how am I supposed to perform in here? You know? So I was like, I needed a second, a second chance. So Sarah called me, but, um, she's great. And I, I just feel like I've learned so much being able to be in both formats and just, um, I don't know, not you could look at my journey and there's so much more I could share and you could look at it and be like, man, how are you not bitter? How are you not mm. sad? Or, um, it didn't go like you wanted it to. And why don't, why didn't you just quit? And it's like, I am so grateful for everything that I got to go through and mm. I got everything that I tried, you know, everything that I went after, it didn't necessarily go the way that I wanted, but I still got to experience this really cool life and, um, being able to look back at it and go, I wouldn't change a thing because I was fighting for myself and I wanted to be Mm. seen and I didn't want to turn into some other artist, you know, that I wasn't just because they wanted me to be this person. Um, I'm a storyteller. I write from my heart. I love to, um, make people cry. It's like my favorite Mm. thing. (laughs) If I am at a show and I've made you cry, it's the best. I mean, I know I sound sick, but it's. (laughs) You're like, I did it. I know that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. If I get that emotion out of you, because that's what music does for me. And it's like, it just brings this emotion out of me. That's Mm -hmm. not necessarily sad, but it's just beautiful, you know? Um, right. And so I've always right. kind of wanted to just do that for people. And, and I still get to do that. And and more importantly, Ugh. I get to sing these songs that I've written, you know, on the countryside. And at the same time, I get to sing about what God's done in my life and, and hopefully help encourage people through that too. But it's so fun to get to make music. And now I'm on my own, I'm independent and we're working on music to to come out this year, I think in a couple of weeks even. So I'll have to make sure I get you all Yay. this new stuff. Yeah. If I can encourage anyone, one person out there, then I feel like everything that I've gone through is worth it because yeah. I'm I'm never going to stop making music. I'm going to figure out a mm-hmm. way to get music out to people because my, my hope and my goal is not to be the Dolly Parton of my generation anymore. It's to just help bring people joy and um, and encouragement and let them know that they are worth something and they're valuable. And there's so many times I can look through my journey and like, you know, a lot of musicians, a lot of artists struggle with insecurities and they need that validation. They need to be loved. And it wasn't until I let go of my dream where I realized like, I don't need that pat on the back to Mm. feel loved. God has loved me through the whole thing. I'm already loved. So it's like just getting to make music now to me isn't like do or die. It's it's the topping to an already awful yeah. life. Um, that is great. Yeah, it's just been so much fun. I've gotten to meet a lot of amazing musicians, rap songwriters, and you know we're coming with new music. It's just going to be a different world because we're doing it on our own and. That's yeah. something you can relate to too. It's like let's, oh, yeah. let's, <laughs> you just gotta start. Just gotta start, and then it's like, and then if people hate it, it's like, okay, see ya. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I know. So you never, I know. I know. <laughs> oh my gosh! And now, does your husband? Because you said he's in the whole music industry as yeah. well. Does he sing? What does oh, he God, do? No. Uh, he okay. 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 <laughs> he tries to sing. I caught him singing. If you watch my stories the other night, I caught him singing karaoke by himself in the bedroom for no reason. He loves to sing. <laughs> 
Oh, oh my gosh. He came from um, radio. So he used to run a radio station out in um, Washington State and then moved to uh, North Carolina. That's where I met him. And then he ended up coming into the record label part. So he works right now in run, you know, doing promotion for record labels. And he has a lot of knowledge, which is beneficial for someone like me who's trying to do it on my own and knows how to do all the things that, you know, he's basically a label um, that I'm married to. And um, so he's, yeah, he's very knowledgeable, but he does not sing. <laughs> he likes to, but does not. But yeah, it's great. We, um, you know, life is a journey. And you just got to get, when you get knocked down, you got to get back up again and figure it out. Like if you love to do it, you just got to figure it out. Don't quit because somebody, yeah, because it is hard. And, and it's like, I had to teach myself, like, if I love this song that I wrote and I take it into my label or team and they're just like, eh, I don't really get it. I need to love it as much as I did when I first walked in and not hate it now that they hate it. And I feel like that's the same thing about us as people. Like we need to believe in ourselves and love ourselves, even if someone over there doesn't, because if we live a life, yeah, where we're just needing validation. Um, and that, that's kind of where I was going to go to with that was starting with, with me as nine year old, looking at someone else and thinking that's what I needed to do to be loved. It's mm. like learning that comparison is, is such a, horrible thing that happens all the time, especially now with social media. It's like you get on there and you just think, oh my God, I'm doing nothing. I'm worthless. Look at what they have and what I don't have. And it's like having this heart, we need to have this heart of gratitude because yeah, I feel like all the times I look back at my journey and I was like, Lord, why did you do that to me? Or why did that have mm. to happen? Or why didn't I get that? And And then being able to look at him and go, oh my gosh, I was treating you like Santa Claus, first of all. (laughs) And then I was getting mad when you didn't give me what I wanted, which is what my three-year-old does at Target, you know? So it's like, (laughs) it's having to look at at the Lord and going, wow, how about instead of saying, why not me? Saying, thank you for protecting me from something you didn't think that I needed at the time. So that's kind of how I feel like I've shifted my thought process and how I want to help other people do the same. It's like just being grateful for the season that you're in because I never thought I would be married. I never thought I would have kids. I wanted to be winning CMA female vocalist of the year awards. Like that was my goal. Never dreamed of marriage, like never. And then I met my husband and it was like, we have to have babies now, you know? And we did. And then somehow we had four and I'm like, how did we keep having these kids? Gosh, I thought I learned how this happens. Um, but, you know, like, oh, I wouldn't trade this for anything because they're going to be out of the house and not talking to me. Anymore. Yeah. And it's like, right. <laughs> I can't do, I can't go and live this amazing dream and be on the road and have an amazing touring life, which, and I do shows I play out, but it's like the dream that I once had would take me away from my babies. And I know I would just be like, I want to go home and be with them. So I'm just grateful. I'm grateful to be able to do both and be content. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. And that's such a good place to be, being content. You know, I 
I, I love that. And I feel like so many people, it is the bigger house is going to help. Uh, yeah. Another kid is going to help. Like people it's always needing more. Yeah. And I feel like it took me a long time to, to learn that lesson too, of just, you know, be content with what I have. And it just makes me so much happier, it does. you know, when you're not worried about what other people have or are doing. Yes. And, um, and, and two, to realize like we're all different and we're all going to be different. And if we were all the same, it would be a boring world that we it live in. Be. So it's pretty, it's pretty neat to get to that place Absolutely. where, and not to say you still don't have moments or I don't have moments of like, oh man, that would be nice. Mm-hmm. But, but overall to just be content with what I have, it's, right. it's amazing. And knowing too, like that you, you can touch people in the world that you're in. Right. You don't, it doesn't have to be this huge thing because I think when we're desiring that, that's just for our own benefit. That's because we think right. we need to be, to feel loved and wanted. And it's like, man, we already are, you know, we have an amazing family. Like we already are I'm already a superstar for my kids and they're not, they're going to think I'm embarrassing. So I'm going to just enjoy it because I've heard about kids saying, mom, don't, don't hold my hand in public. <laughs> How, how old are your kids? Scarlett is seven. Savannah is okay. five. She starts kindergarten. Oh, and oh my gosh. Grace is three and Sadie is two. She was our little surprise. Oh we discovered that gosh. you can get pregnant when you're nursing. So don't fall for the myth. Um, but yeah, she was our, our, we planned all three. We were trying to get to that boy. And then Sadie <laughs> showed up. She's 15 months apart from Jace. And oh, I was, I was literally gosh. like on the road touring and I'm like, uh, honey, pretty sure I'm pregnant. Oh. And he's like, no, you're not. I'm like, yeah, oh. pretty sure I'm pregnant. And, but you know, God said go for the multiply. So I feel like we've done our job. We're good on that. The Lord said have children, right? I'm so blessed. Let me tell you this. I woke up this morning and Sadie, my two-year-old, like she's in the whole take her clothes off phase. And then I haven't even had coffee yet. It's like 7.50 in the morning. And she goes, mommy, happened? what happened? And I was, I was like, what? What happened? What happened? You know? And she goes, ah, poop on floor. Poop on floor. Oh, and I was like, great. So, cheers to all the moms out there who are picking up to her. Well, and wasn't it your son that peed in a uh-huh. cup the other day? Oh, yeah. Or I saw that. Right? Yeah. yeah. He, oh, he, gosh. He was potty training and peed in a cup and then brought it to me to show me. And I was like buddy this is like I was trying to like not ruin his confidence but at the same time I was like this is not what we do like I've never had a boy before and I just was like I was like well first of all I gotta get my phone and record this because that's what we think (laughs) so that's where we live in it's like no one's gonna believe this happened so hold on right and I was like Buddy, I love you, but next time let's just pee in the body and keep it in the body. He's like, okay, mom. It was so cute and you handled it so well, I thought. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> he had carried it all the way down the stairs. All the way down the stairs. So I said, did you splash? And he was like, no, mom, I put my hand on top. I was like, oh, you're a genius. Yes. And I'm I'm past those stages. I um, My youngest is nine. So I have nine, 10, and 14. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So if you want to hear about... Yeah, what to expect when that happens. You just, yes, and I, it happens fast. It's like, oh my gosh, now they don't want to talk to you. And there's all the sass and attitude. Oh, no. And yeah, it's, oh. You have boys and girls or? My oldest is a boy and then the two girls. Okay. So the two girls are really close, like 17 months apart. And they, it reminds me so much of my sister and I. We, we laugh all the time because personality-wise, 
the oldest is me. And then my youngest is my sister. I mean, about everything. It's so, so weird. And, but they fight like crazy. And I just have to remember, I'm like, this is how me and my sister were. We fought until we were out of the house. Pretty much. Uh We hated each other. And, but when I see my girls doing it, it just makes me sad. I'm like, you guys have fun. Like, and they will, like they, they'll be fine together, but oh gosh, can they just fight? And I'm just like, okay, just remember, this is exactly what you guys used to do. We did this. But, oh, yeah, it's just a lot of a lot of drama all the time, I feel like. But but it's amazing, too. It's fun to be, like, past such a blast. But, it's you know, it changes as they get older, too. Yeah. It's easier to just, like, oh, hey, next weekend, you know, the beach house is available. Let's go. And you can just pack, pack up and go very easily right. or leave them at home if you need to. Like, they, definitely, there's parts of it that definitely get easier. I have a couple of, like, rapid-fire questions. Oh, wait. I forgot. You, did you meet Reba? Oh, yeah. At one point? I met Reba. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. She, I just love her. She's oh, so my great. gosh. So, um, so, this is crazy, but my, I was writing with this guy named Luke Bryan. Oh, yes. And um, little old guy. You're and right. Another one of us, I always say we were both in the room and one of us made it and one of us did it. This is another example. <laughs> so, we were writing and we were actually writing that suds in the bucket kind of song because if there's anyone that can help me you know write that it was him and we wrote the silliest song oh my god it was called butter on her wedding ring and tell me that does not sound like but it was about this woman who was married and she wanted to leave her husband and it's totally country song and she had gained some weight and she couldn't get her ring off to leave him and so she put butter on it and then left it in the kitchen i mean it was horrible but he came in with the idea and i was like you're luke bryan i'm gonna roll with it and right. we were writing this song and we were having so much fun. And then we took a, like a potty break and I'm a mom. I say potty break. We went to the bathroom, not together. He went, you know what I'm saying? And <laughs> yes. we're walking down the, the hallway at the studio and he bumps into someone and we both turn around and it's this fiery redhead and it was Reba. Uh-huh. And that's how we both uh-huh. met her at the same time. And then I was in the room with two other people and two of them made it. And one of them didn't. <laughs> And that's getting better. But she was so awesome, so nice. Um, it was her studio that we were writing and recording at. And so she was just could not have been kinder. And he like literally put his arm around my arm and we skipped through the hallway because he was like, We just got Reba. And I was like, I know. So that was like 2010, I think. But yeah. Oh wow. Um so many people, I mean, in Nashville and especially in the country scene they're all really kind and I've never met an artist that like let down that expectation you know that was like oh I hate that I met you (laughs) You they've all been really nice um very sweet and kind and humble I mean a couple of them but uh. yeah (laughs) (laughs) not everyone can be not everyone can be kind but you know it is what it is oh wow well that's cool wow you do have some fun stories oh my gosh yeah in the country world a lot of the people the artists that are in that world are also fans of christian music so a lot of them are all friends Mm. And I even noticed that as getting into the christian world and being on christian radio that like a lot of these artists are friends with country um, stars and it's like they kind of collaborate together or they write together like all the songs that I made in 2009 2010 I actually wrote with Matthew West who's this huge Christian artist um, 
and he, I knew who he was because I was a fan of his. And I asked him, I was like, would you ever want to write country music? And so he wrote my first single level is on with me. And, um, yeah, he's just, he's great. So I feel like even back then I felt God was saying like, you're in the wrong format. Like you need yeah. to come over here, you know? So uh, just very yes. interesting how it kind of, if you look back at things that all kind of lined up together, but yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. I have three questions that I always ask towards the end. And one was how you met your husband, okay. which we kind of heard a bit of that. Yeah. But do you want to elaborate yeah. on that so story at in, all? Okay. Yeah. In 2009, I was doing my radio tour, which when you sign a deal with a label and you get a song ready to go to radio, they take you all across the country. I think I did an eight week run. And so different regions, um, different people would from the label would take like take me to the South or take me to California or, um, Tacoma and like all these different places. And so my regional, we started in the South and took me to, um, my hometown in Georgia and then Atlanta. And then we went to North Carolina and, um, I walked into the station and I remember like my label rep telling me like, listen, the guy that runs this label, he's very hard to impress. Like, don't feel bad if he doesn't smile or any of those things. And I was like, Oh, okay. You know, no big deal. (laughs) And so I come in and meet this guy and he's young. And, um, I had like, no, I didn't look at him and think, Oh, he's cute. I'm going to marry him one day. It was just like, I need you to like my song, you know? So it was like (laughs) super strict business thing. Yes. I had no, like any interest in that. So, um, we, I played the song for him and he, he loved it. He was like, you know, he started playing it on the radio already at that time. And it really spoke to him. And I found out later why, because the song, Mm. I wrote this song, Love Lives On, because my sister was in the Air Force and she was in Afghanistan. And her Mm. husband was in the army, is in the army. And they both, this is so crazy. They both went to high school together and they were friends, but they never dated because they were always dating other people. They both signed up after 9-11, got deployed, not knowing it, and then ran into each other in a pub in Germany oh and started dating and then got married. And so Whoa. she got pregnant with my nephew, Colt. And I remember asking her, <clears throat> um, why, why, are you, why did you guys plan to have a baby while he's deployed? Like thinking just, you know, normal conversation of like, I, you know, did you want to wait till he got done? Or, and she said, no, we... We planned this because she said, I've seen what can happen. And I want to make sure that if anything happens to him, that I have a piece of him that will live on. And I, Mm. it's like my songwriter mind went off and I was like, I've got to write this. And so I wrote this song Mm. based on that. And, um, and so my husband, um, when he first heard the song, it, it really stood out to him because when he was growing up, he lost his brother and his Mm. brother was, um, was getting ready to graduate high school and getting ready to marry his high school sweetheart who was nine months pregnant with their baby. And he ended up, I think, uh, the day of his funeral, she went into labor and had the baby. Mm. And so my husband was telling me that that song for him was kind of full circle because he, he saw the circle of life of losing his brother and then seeing his niece be born like in the same day. Wow! Uh. So that song really stood out to him. And, um, it just kind of started this kind of friend connection where it was like, um, we started just talking and it was like, Hey, how are you? And super innocent and, um, just friends. And then he ended up moving to Nashville 
And, um, and then I was in a relationship at that time with someone in my band, which is never a good idea. And, um, and that did not work out very well. I was very heartbroken. Um, and, uh, and then I was like, you know, let's go have dinner, Ryan. And, and I want to catch up and hear what life is like coming from radio and transitioning into the record label. Mm. And so we sat down at dinner. It was not a date. It was just, you know, I needed to leave the house because I was in a depressed state. <laughs> I was in mourning. <laughs> and, um, and honestly, it was like the craziest God thing because we sat down and I remember him saying, Hey, pretty girl. And then we talked the entire time. They had to ask us to leave because it was, the restaurant was getting closed. And, um, it was just this connection that I had never had. Mm. And it was just like instant. And I never would have even known what love was if I didn't experience what love wasn't with what Mm. I had come out of. And it was just this, the most amazing experience. And so we, he asked me out on an official date, like a week later, he came to pick me up and he said, do you realize I live two miles from you? And I was like, what? And it was just oh. these crazy things of like two people on opposite sides of the plant of the United States ended up living two miles from one another, ended up working wow. together, ended up, you know, falling in love. It was just to, to us, it was just totally meant to be. He told me he yeah. loved me on the first date and I was just like, that's all I needed to hear. <laughs> He, he will say, I didn't say I love you, but what he said was, um, he's five years older than me. So he had been around the block and I think that he was probably just tired and didn't want to go back to his plenty of fish.com account. But, um, he said, you know, they say when you know, you know, and I was like, yeah, I'm like eating a burger and, you know, totally not interested in what he's saying at that point. Cause my burger was so good. And he's like, you know, they say when you know, you know. And I was like, yeah. And he said, well, I'm saying this is the night I know I'm going to marry you. And I was like, okay, sure. Oh. And then sure enough, <laughs> we got married. So that's that how we is met. so cool. Music very, together, very cool. So. And then what is a, either a favorite book or a book that you would recommend to people? Oh, man. The Bible. Mm. <laughs> I actually just read um, this, this Sadie Robinson book that's out. It's called Who Are You Following? And it's Okay. It is so good, especially mm. with um, if you're struggling with comparison or you feel like you get on your phone and you see, you know, what we were talking about. And it's like, yeah. it's like, who are you following? Are you following these people mm. that are not good for you, you know, and mm. making sure that we're putting positive influences in our life because it's so easy, especially as moms now of, of daughters. And I can't imagine growing up in this society um, right. with social media and comparison. So anyway, this book just, I was like screaming at some of the things I was reading. I was like, hey, yeah. uh. <laughs> if I were to write a book, it's like, this is what I would say. Oh, I love it. And everyone should read it. Who are you following? It's just so encouraging. A reminder Mm. to set healthy boundaries on social media. And if you Mm. are getting on there and like looking at someone and thinking, man, I wish I had that, or Mm. they have a look what their husband does for them. Mine's asleep over there. You know, it's like, stop following them. (laughs) Stop following them. Follow people who encourage you and bring you joy, not people that you like are envious of or, you know, because it just breeds so much nasty stuff in yourself. So I don't know, maybe like eight or 10 years ago, I got um, a, 
a gift in the mail from my business manager. It was all wrapped up and I love gifts. Like I think that's my love language. Oh, I love oh, giving yeah. gifts and I love receiving gifts. And um, I get this present. It's this big box in the mail. And I was like, oh my God, my sister, my older sister, Elena was with me. And she's like, let's open it. You know, I was like, what is this? It's going to be so cool. Because, you know, you hear in Nashville, like these companies, they give you really cool Christmas gifts. Like one year we got like um, super awesome headphones, like, um, you know, you just get these cool gifts. So anyway, I open it up, keep opening it, open it. And it was a book about finances. And I just go, huh, it's a book. It's a book. <laughs> worst gift I'm like the least I'm the worst person to ask about books because I rarely read uh but I did read this and it's yeah it's great okay so the last question would be what is the best compliment you've ever received oh my gosh mm-hmm. and you have four little kids so I if you come up with an answer for this I am very impressed I know right hmm the best compliment. It's funny that you asked me this now because my I think before I became a mom, I would have said when people when I get a standing ovation at a show or when mm. people tell me like your voice is amazing, that would have been my answer. Mm-hmm. That's no longer my answer, which is so weird. I mm. think I think my favorite compliment that I've probably gotten from my parents or my husband is um, probably that how much they've seen. I don't know if like how little or big the compliment can be, but to me it's been important because they say they've seen such a, like a growth in my relationship with the Lord and how I've changed um, and kind of become selfless in that way of just putting my stuff down and going, okay, God, I just want to make you happy. I want to do what you want me to do. And like I, I would, I would never have gotten there. This is the other thing that I want to make sure people know is like, you might be in the middle of something that seems like the worst thing. It's the hardest season you've ever been in. You've just gotten some horrible news. Um, maybe you feel like you've lost your job or your career's over or all these things that have maybe have happened to you. And they, in the moment, they seem like the worst thing in the world. And I have had this kind of mantra this year, mantra, however you say it, of count it all joy. It's like, Mm. why would someone, why would Paul tell us to count it all joy? Well, it's because I can say, had I had everything worked out for me the way that it should have, I wouldn't have this relationship with the Lord. I would be busy in my life. I would be, you know, comfortable in my living. I would be out there doing all the things I want to do and never stopped to build that relationship. And it's through those trials. It's through those moments where you think it's the worst thing in the world at that time where you're really growing and really learning how to trust him. And so I think the best compliment I've received lately is just my family kind of validating that and saying, it's amazing to see the change in you of, of shifting your mind to know that you don't have to have all these things to feel valuable because you already are. Um, I hope that answered it, but it's. No, that's great. I, that's like my favorite question because I, and I almost feel like it's a mean question because I, I still haven't come up with what I would say, I guess. And, but I'm loving all the answers I'm getting for yeah. it. So I'm like, I'm going to keep asking that one because it's so, you know, I think it's one of those that you kind of have to think about, yeah. but, um, well, it but definitely I, wasn't that's, when that's my, great. um, 
my daughter said, Mom, you look like a zombie when I woke up. <laughs> or, Mommy, why is your belly so flabby? Or, yes. <laughs> or, or this one, my daughter said, had, had a bra on, and then I didn't have a bra on. And she said, Mom, how come your boobs just lay down? I was like, <laughs> because I have four kids. <laughs> Because of you. Because of you. I'll put my bra back on, okay? Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. This was so much it fun. Was so fun. And I hope that if I get my podcast going, that you'll join me and share uh, your absolutely. story because my whole podcast is, I want to call it Count It All Joy. And it's going to be that of just people that have gone through the fire, but are still standing up and saying, hey, yeah, I had to go through it. But, you know, I may not understand why, but I do know that I got back up. Thank you all for joining me for another episode of the Shanty Pants Show. I really appreciate you guys hanging out with me every week. You can find all of my links to all my social medias, anything your heart desires at shantypantsshow.com. You can even find my amazing merch is back up and running there. And you can email me from there. All the things. All the things. Also, you always ask, how can you help me out with this whole podcast situation? You can subscribe to my podcast. You can leave reviews. You can share it with friends. I appreciate it all. So I am super excited to bring you guys the rest of the season. It's going to be amazing. And I'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.